Welcome back to Restless. I'm Father Joseph Gill, priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, Connecticut, and I'm here with Carmelina, Lauren, and Paul as together we restlessly seek the face of Christ in the midst of our crazy, mixed-up world. You know, we're recording this a few days before All Saints Day, which is coming up this coming Sunday, and I'm very excited. It's one of my favorite feast days, and I love the stories of the saints, and I'm sure you do too. So who are your favorite saints? I bet you got a bunch. St. Veronica Giuliani, hands uh, down. Who? St. Veronica Giuliani. <laughs> yeah, I don't know her. <laughs> that was a good way to She's start. She's amazing. So if, tell us about if her. If you have not looked into her, I highly recommend it. So Veronica Giuliani. Saint she related Giuliani. to the mayor of New York. No. Oh, I don't know. Um, but so... Um, I'm with, thinking of some jokes that I probably can't <laughs> say on air. I'm really bad with jokes, so sorry if I miss them. <laughs> no, no, sorry. Right. Um, but yeah, so St. Ger- Veronica Giuliani, uh, when I had first come back into the Catholic Church about two years ago, um, I had a, during my conversion, I, I it was during Lent, we were praying the Stations of the Cross, and Station, I believe, 6 is St. Veronica Wipes the Face of Christ. And that just struck me to the point of tears just because i i had some friends and some family members who weren't really supportive about my my newfound like fire for god and i just admired her charity and also her courage to step forth to console christ in the face of fear and uncertainty and just basically people that that could have killed her too um and that gave me so much hope and then when I went on a pilgrimage to Italy, um, it was actually with a religious order for a discernment pilgrimage, St. Veronica Giuliani was everywhere. And we had gone to the House of the Capuchins and her portrait was there and I received a portrait of her and she just popped up everywhere to the point where the priest said, I've never heard of her before, but I have never seen so much of her in my life. <laughs> and she was actually the only poor Claire and Capuchin. And I think she lived in the, the 1500s, maybe. She was the mother superior of the order. She was a mystic and one of the only saints to receive all five stigmatas. And she would intercede for souls. I think she would actually go into hell. And I don't know if she would release souls or something like that, but she would go there. And Our Lady would fill in for her as Mother Superior of the convent. And the sisters of the order would actually report on this and say, Mother Veronica looked different today. And it was because it was Our Lady. And she's most famous for being um, severely tormented by the devil. He would appear to her as like a cat and come and attack her. And um, she would receive visions from Our Lord and Our Lady. And she's most famous for the journal that she wrote, which was about 10,000 pages, oh which gosh. is like a miracle in and of itself. And if you start reading the journal, I think about a third of it is actually written in the third person. And they say that Our Lady was actually writing it during that time. So she's an incredible saint. I am just so in awe of her. I, I pray to her all the time. And what's even more ironic is the religious order that I had gone with was actually going to Italy to pick up two relics, and one of them was of St. Veronica Giuliani. Wow. Yeah, so now when I when I go to the convent to visit, 
um, I can actually like see her. So that is wild. It's crazy. So yeah, definitely just has a I'm super soft spot. Do more research. She's on, incredible. On I actually have her book. It's in Italian. Um, so if you learn Italian, you can read it. <laughs> Not the whole journal, but like ep- excerpts from it. Yeah, ten thousand pages is larger than any book I've ever <laughs> yeah. read. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. That's it's gonna be hard to top that one. <laughs> so Lauren, what are your what are your favorite saints? Oh, I thought back to like my childhood. Um, so my mom would always tell me, you know, pray to Saint Anthony, <laughs> right? When I lost something, but I felt like I actually had a love hate relationship with him because I didn't get <laughs> the things back, you know. So oh really? Like, oh. oh no, that's always helpful. It, so I, Lauren, yeah. are you Italian? Yes. Oh, so I think it only works for Italians, but I guess it doesn't. I, this I don't, well, I think I doubted him from the start. Like, I was probably already mad that I lost a thing, and then my mom's saying this. I'm like, he's not going to help me, but, you know, I don't know. I did pray to him, though, recently playing disc golf. I lost a, a disc, which is pretty common, and I looked for it for 45 minutes, and I did it in three different stints with a friend of mine. Like, 15 minutes, we're, like, going through all these thorns and branches, and then... We came back at the end. I'm like, I want to look again because I just got these discs. I just started playing. I look again another 15 minutes. He wants to leave. So I'm like, okay, I pretend like I'm going to leave with him. I left. I walked out. I'm like, nope, I'm going back. <laughs> when I went back, I was praying the whole time. I'm like, let me try to be sincere and be real, you know, and like believe that St. Anthony can help me. And then I did find it, not where I thought it was. And uh, it had like flipped over, which seemed odd because I saw the flight path of it. Like I saw it go way off course into the woods. Mm. So I don't know. For it to have like hit something and flipped seemed odd. And like it was so out in the open. I just was in the wrong place. So I thought, hmm, I wonder if St. Anthony like put it here. Kicked out of it. You know, like help me. But I've also heard of like crazy stories. Like I think a, a man was discerning like priesthood kind of a thing and he lost a, a chain to him in a body of water and he was like all right god if you give this back to me you know like i'll continue down this path and then the next day a fisherman got the chain on his rod like <laughs> and oh, wow. reeled it in and there was the chain when he went back like what how could that ever happen right like god intervenes you know oh definitely mm-hmm. yeah. definitely so saint anthony that's funny I actually have the best luck of finding um, uh, for disc golf discs because every time I lose one, I end up finding three more. Really? Like because everyone else gives up, and I guess I have good eyes, and I go in the woods, yeah. and I'm like, oh, there's a bunch of other people's disc golf discs <laughs> with no names on it, so I guess I keep them. Oh you know? yeah, you're lucky. I found two, or my friend found one. I found one. I don't know, but they both had you know names and numbers, so because they're not cheap. We returned them. Oh, that's good. You know, good. texted yeah. them. Yeah. No, they're not cheap. St. Anthony, awesome. Yeah, um, I spend a lot of time, I'm not educated at all, so take this with a grain of salt perhaps, but I spend a lot of time just trying to learn as much as I can about St. Thomas Aquinas. Um, he, I've never had an, a question that he hasn't been able to answer for me. And I also like, I, I like his story. I mean, it was, they would say that he would, uh, they would excuse him from like complying with the order with, with the Dominicans where he was because he was just writing and he would just write and write and write and um, and he wouldn't really do much else. He was known for his corpulence, which means he probably liked to eat. I like that about him, I guess. But um, Although I heard that, is that, a, is that for, fake? The, for the last 18 years of his life or so, he only subsisted on the Eucharist. Oh, wow. I heard that. So maybe it was a, a, a 
problem with his hormones or glands. Yeah, or perhaps. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not 100 sure. But they had to make. There was one story where they had to make like a special provision on, in the table for him to be able to sit. Cut properly. out a semicircle. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's all. But I just it's. Dude. Um, the, the, when we think about doctors of the church, and of course there's the early doctors, which is like Augustine and, and uh, St. Ambrose and those, but just the amount of the great leap forward of, when you think about medieval philosophy in the dark ages, you know, we think about dark age, they weren't actually that dark, but, uh, compared to maybe now, but, um, they, uh, hmm. and you think about medieval <laughs> philosophy, it really is St. Thomas Aquinas. There's that, there's him and then everybody else, um. And the great leap forward, you could say, of, of his writings at that time is what gave us our modern understanding of the faith to a large extent. Um, so I try to figure as much as I can out. But what Aquinas did very uniquely was he was the first one to really incorporate the writings of Aristotle yeah. into Christianity. Yeah, that's so, right. the philosopher. Yeah, and, and I think that uh, any Franciscan would disagree strongly that, that Aquinas is above Bonaventure or... John Duns Scotus or some of these no, other great it's, brilliant lights of the mid, Middle they, Ages. They certainly were, but I would say that the that just the the moron. If you think about the different you know different sides of a, of a person, I would say that from an intellectual standpoint, I'm not sure if they could argue as much, but maybe they could. I don't know, but I also maybe I spend too much time listening to Dominicans, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe yeah. But I love how even despite Aquinas's brilliance, he never lost that childlike faith. Yeah, so yeah. There's a beautiful story of Aquinas. Uh, he was writing and some of his brothers decided to play a prank on him and they ran in the room and said, Thomas, the pigs are flying outside. And he ran to the window and threw it open. Oh, where, where, where? And of course they're you know, doubled over in laughter. Mm. And he turns around and just offers the best burn ever. He says, I'd rather believe that pigs are flying than that my brothers would lie to me. Oh, yeah, I've heard that. Ooh, yeah, that's ouch, a good one. you know. There's a lot of stuff that's attributed to St. Thomas Aquinas. And I'm not, like he always said that you can drink to the point of hilarity. Right, and that's it's not like you know verified, but I you know I think it's a not too bad, really not bad thing to live by. My church history professor in seminary would always say, "If it ain't true, it ought to be." Oh, there you go. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and especially with some of the stories of the saints, you kind of take some with a rather large grain of salt. Yeah, you know, but and then maybe a modern saint um, who I learned about actually through a potential job opportunity, which didn't come to fruition, was um, was St. Francis Cabrini in New York City, mm. um, who started all types of hospitals. Um, there's a health foundation now. This is not, I'm not getting paid for this, but it's the Mother Cabrini <laughs> Health Foundation in New York City, which is a bunch of Catholic hospitals that sold out and came up with $3 billion to invest and to grant to healthcare, Catholic healthcare causes around the country. Um, and so that exists now. It just started up a couple of years ago. But I just started to learn about, um, I was applying for a job there, but um, I just started to learn more about St. Francis Cabrini and like the, the amazing, um, the last episode, if you just listened, was about laziness and, and diligence and man, the, the drive there to, to start hospitals and, and all types of other, uh, you know, things for the poor is just incredible in her life. So yeah, she did dozens of institutions, yeah. not and just I've, in New York, but Louisiana, I think. And that's right. In Columbus, Ohio and Ohio. Chicago. And, um, and I believe she was the first American saint or maybe the first female first American. American citizen saint, citizen saint. Okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. She was the first one that was American citizen. That's awesome. Some great saints there. Yeah. So were any of these your confirmation saints? No, no, no. <laughs> I have. I, I, Who'd you guys pick? You you may you may hit me upside the head. So uh, just for perspective, so my confirmation took place in the spring of 2005. That was also the year that the final uh, prequel Star Wars movie came out, 
which oh, no. was, I think it was May 19th. I don't even know where this is going. So but. my, um, now while I did, I've always appreciated, I've actually always liked since, I don't know when we studied it in Catholic school, like fifth grade or sixth grade or something. I've always liked Acts of the Apostles. Oh, no. But when I chose Luke as my confirmation <laughs> no. name, there was there was a little Star Wars in there. I'm not gonna no. lie, as a, as a 14 year old, there was a little Star Wars in there. Don't, he didn't hit me upside the head yet. <laughs> no, but I'm judging you hard for actually in my mind. I'm not gonna lie. The judgment's all just, it's, it's there. It's there. That's okay. <laughs> but it, in your defense, I was going to select Michael as my confirmation saint because my favorite baseball player was Mike Mussina. Oh, sure. At the time. Yeah. And later on, about a year later, I didn't choose. I chose Peter. And I'm glad because later on he was uh, he joined the Yankees, the evil empire. That's right. Moose. Yeah, the moose. And mm -hmm. so I'm really glad I didn't pick him. Secretly in my heart of hearts, I'm glad he never won a World Series for the Yankees. <laughs> That's true. Because <laughs> he betrayed my hometown team, the Orioles. Ugh. It was awful. So did you have an equally profound experience, Carmelina, in your confirmation? Uh, <laughs> not, not Skywalker. No, it, it might be. I don't know if this is bad or I guess there's no Saint Anakin. Saint Obi-Wan. No, I picked uh, Teresa after... No, I'm so sorry. That was for a different thing. I actually picked Rose because it was my mom's name. And then I had no idea what I was, what I was doing. And then I find out that... Um, saint rose of lima was an incredible mm, saint mm -hmm. and i just felt so that was that was uh, a good pick yeah that was great and what was ironic about that was saint i can't remember which one but saint veronica giuliani has a had a big devotion to saint rose of lima or saint rose of lima had a big devotion to saint veronica giuliani it was one of them i don't remember i think you know, i don't know i have to double I know, check that yes. hmm. but one of them did oh, okay that's and cool i was like oh they were like friends kind of that's cool spiritual friends that's awesome yeah, uh -huh. that's awesome so initially i was like oh i like the name rose it's my mom's name but i'm glad i i chose it it's funny how kids just pick yeah. confirmation names mm -hmm. you know, star wars or... yeah just random okay it wasn't completely star wars i did know about saint luke okay like it's not like i was ignorant of that that's it's fair like, that's fair it's like dad can i pick luke uh yeah i guess that's a saint now it was there was a little bit more thought that went into that you know i, I Every confirmation I attend, there's always like 30 Sebastians, patron saint of sports. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But people also don't realize he's also the patron saint of those who struggle with same sex attraction. Oh. So, <laughs> but, you know, you nevertheless, you have all these teenage boys selecting Sebastian as their confirmation. <laughs> just random aside, he is actually. What is your, what's your confirmation saint? Mine's just Elizabeth, which is my middle name. So I didn't actually pick. And it was my mom that just said, oh, just go with your middle name, you know? And so I thought, well, that's fine. And then I heard later that I think, you know, if your middle name is a saint's name, people didn't used to pick a different name. Interesting. That, that's kind of how it went, I guess. So that's probably why she told me that. And I was okay with it because I didn't, so I named Elizabeth after my grandmother, but we called her Grandma Betty, but her name was Mary Elizabeth Doyle. Um, but I didn't really like the name Elizabeth. I think it flowed in my name. Lauren Elizabeth Doyle sounds nice, but I didn't actually like it. So I thought, okay, this is like an opportunity for me to like have more meaning to this <laughs> name, you know. And then I found out about St. Elizabeth Ann Seton later, mm. kind of as you did. Um, and I think she's the first American-born saint. Yes, first American-born saint. Right, right. Yep. And she mm -hmm. lived around the time of the American Revolution, which is pretty cool. And I also like that she was... A mother you know she had a family and then her husband died and or her first her um father-in-law died and her and her husband took in like seven half siblings 
on top of like her four kids. So she was raising all these kids and she was 29 at the time, right? Which is like, what? (laughs) You know, um, and then her husband died, you know, and again, you know, stuck with all these kids. And I think her her life story from what I've read is like she was like a socialite, like a well-off family um, in New York City. And then first the husband's company went bankrupt and then the father-in-law died and they had all these kids. Then her husband got sick. Then her husband died. So it's like all these worldly mm-hmm. things were taken from her. And then she became a Catholic. I think she was Protestant. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously went on to do great things like found schools and, and all these things. So... I find that pretty impressive. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I taught when I was in seminary, I went to seminary at Mount St. Mary's in Emmitsburg, Maryland, where she's buried. And uh, I taught at the school that she founded. Wow. Which was really cool mm-hmm. to be able to do that and have that connection. It's called Mother Seton School. But, you know, I, I don't know about you, but when I kind of look at the lives of the saints, sometimes it seems like, man, I will never, ever live up to that. You know, um, Carmelina was talking about uh, St. Saint Veronica, what was her last Giuliani. name? Giuliani. Mm-hmm. And her mystical experiences of having Our Lady kind of take her place in the convent and receiving the stigmata and these mystical experiences. When a regular Catholic looks at that, they say, well, I'm not a mystic. I don't have these cool experiences. Like, can I become a saint? I mean, is it possible for you and I, regular, ordinary folks, to become saints? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Care to expound? <laughs> yes. You asked me yes or no questions. Yeah. No, I'm it's, it's easy. Uh, someone very brilliant once told me, he said, you know, be careful when you read. Is it, someone said you should not read St. John of the Cross until you're at a certain point in your spiritual life because it's actually possible to do self-harm just mm. because of how you how you could interpret the, the different readings. And when we read of these incredible saints who receive the stigmatas and live these like supernatural almost lives, like how do we get there and we can almost if taken the wrong way do self-harm and and get into a spirit of of discouragement but there's also a spectrum of saints and i think one of the greatest testaments to that is you know saint Teresa of lisieux who just was just the epitome of the vocation of humility and then we have now carlo acutis who every teenager can probably see themselves in him and I think Mother Teresa, something I try to keep in mind now, it's like, Lord, how will I ever get there? What what can I do now? And Mother Teresa, I think, just has the best quotes with this kind of stuff. And she says, if you can't feed 100 people, feed one. When you wash the dishes, wash them because you love the person who's going to eat it next, eat off that plate next. And those little acts of kindness, those little moments of love and charity really and sacrifice build into greater things. And I think that's how people become saints. It's because of those little things that we do every day, whether we have a coworker who is irritating and rather than lashing out or saying something back, we say, Lord, I just offer this to you and maybe pray for them or say something kind. And so I think that's the gateway to sanctity. And I think Jose Maria Escrivá really talked about that as well. Just how do we live a holy life in, in the world? Yeah, very much so. Any other thoughts on that? That was pretty good. Because <laughs> I was thinking, you know, even in the two saints you mentioned, St. Teresa of Lisieux and St. Um, Blessed Carlo Acutis, you know, it, it does seem that they, re- they receive some, some extraordinary graces. Mm-hmm. You know, when I think of Carlo Acutis was four years old from a non-practicing Catholic family when he started dragging his parents back to Mass. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was not there at four years old. 
You know, I was trying to avoid mass at four years old. Yeah. You know, and you're like, well, that's, that's an extraordinary grace. Or St. Therese of Lisieux, who never really doubted her faith. You know, she had just extraordinary graces. And, and for the rest of us who maybe don't receive those extraordinary graces, I hope that there's hope for us. I think you're making a good distinction that we know from several different stories, you know, they, they are given grace, um, whether it's a vision, right, or a calling or hearing God's voice, right? Like, that's all God, right? It's not them that's like earned that. Uh, so I think we can recognize that first, because I certainly felt like, felt like, are these real people? You know, like when I <laughs> started to learn more about the saints, like this is impossible. Um, but I could say for myself, learning um, or going through spiritual exercises and learning more about St. Ignatius of Loyola certainly transformed my perspective on this life, you know, um, thinking about eternity more than just like the day-to-day -day nuances and things that frustrate me or like lashing out and recognizing, like Carmelina said, that uh, a frustrating coworker is someone who can sanctify you, right, in how you respond, right, instead of... And like, oh, I can't stand her, you know, and like <laughs> building up this frustration or talking bad about someone behind their back, which is so natural, right? That's like normal for us. That's what we want to do instead of thinking in just deep breath. Nope, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to answer her question for the fifth time, you know, like <laughs> whatever it is, all of that is like a normal way, I think, of sanctifying yourself. And then I would also say, too, from St. Ignatius that we all need silent prayer, mm -hmm. this silent time, you know, to let God work in you, you know, if you can fall asleep and let the Holy Spirit come in and um, help to heal your soul, right? All these damages that we have that we're not even aware of. And then we just become closer to God. And maybe we do then get a vision or hear his voice or a calling, right? To religious life and all of that will help to sanctify us. Mm. That's good. That's good. Yeah, and I think also it's identifying, you know, we all have our own gifts and talents and, and we all, and if you find something that you're good at, let's say, and you like doing it, and it could be any, it really could be anything um, that's maybe productive um, or good, let's say, then that might be a way that God is calling you to, to be a, you know, a saint on earth in a way that's powerful. So if you're really good at you know, if you're really good at sports and you like working with kids in sports, then maybe that's your way of bringing, you know, a way of bringing sports to kids in a positive environment, um, maybe that are, are less fortunate than you or have issues or something like that, right? And that, that's a little way that you, you have tapped into the, the gifts that God's given you, um, just like the, the saints did, um, so that you can bring that to others. That's a good insight, and that's important to remember, I think, because I remember one time I was struggling with that, and I was kind of talking with my dad, and I was just saying, well, why can't I be like Mother Teresa? You know, here I am, I was living in a, a very wealthy parish at the time, and I was like, well, I don't have any poor people to serve, I don't have any lepers to clean their wounds, you know? And my dad reminded me, he said, look, you don't have to be like Mother Teresa to be a saint. You have to be like yourself. Mm -hmm. And Matthew Kelly, I think, who's an Australian evangelist, gives a great definition of sanctity. He says it's becoming the best version of yourself. So it's not becoming any externals like St. Mother Teresa or St. You know, John Paul II because they had a specific calling, you know. Mm -hmm. So, But your calling might be different and become the best version of you. Absolutely. And I, I'm just, the more that I read about the saints, the more it like strengthens my resolve to believe that God will give us the grace 
if we continuously, I mean, St. Padre Pio talks about patient perseverance. And I just read a reflection today. It talked about vigilance in our faith, in our faith that even if we don't see the fruits immediately, just that continuous seeking of God and just giving him everything that we have, whether it's maybe one rosary a day or maybe the divine office or maybe mass, just give him everything we can in that moment. And I, I'm just, I believe that he'll give us the grace um, to accomplish that. And I think something that, that I remind myself too is when we look at St. John Paul II or we look at Mother Teresa, like just incredible saints, but they also, there was also, they didn't just become that, like there was a journey to get there. And one of the religious sisters uh, was giving a talk that I attended and, and she said, you know, she just didn't become a nun overnight. You know, it's, it's this continuous saying yes to God and being aware of his presence in her life where she said it was just one small yes and that led her to the next step. And that's yeah. kind of how that, that grows. It doesn't just like, it's not always like St. Paul, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I think that you just made me think of actually is um, we can be quick to like fall into despair, right? Mm -hmm. Or maybe anger or feel like God's not there or God doesn't care or, you know, God doesn't love me if something doesn't go our way. And, and it could be something totally tragic, right? Like a sudden loss, like mm -hmm. a family member's gone or losing your job or, right? And like, again, I think human nature is to turn away from God in those moments, but if you can start to turn, you know, yourself towards God and have a little more trust um, because we don't, we don't know, right, how God is working. So he could be forming us through that, right? Yep. Like the mm. most difficult hardships you go through could be your sanctification but you've got to be open to that and have trust and love and still seek God in those very difficult moments instead of turning away because then obviously you could just go down a very different bad path where you're separated from God for maybe years, you know? You know, my father is a perfect example of that. Uh, my, my dad lost his father when he was 15 mm -hmm. and then he lost his mother in a tragic car crash. He was hit by a drunk driver when he was 19. Oh so at 19, he was an orphan and he had a critical choice. He was in college and he was kind of like, I, what, I'm adrift in life, you know? And so his, his older brothers were going through all of his parents' stuff and they ended up finding all of this religious stuff, booklets and pamphlets and rosaries. And they said, we don't want it. We don't want it. And so my dad's like, well, I mean, it shouldn't go to waste. I'll take it. You know, so he took it. And just because he wanted to stay close to his mom, kind of in a spiritual sense, he started to read some of those booklets, like the imitation of Christ. And and that's how his faith was deepened. He took that crisis moment and turned it into an avenue of grace, mm -hmm. which I thought was really inspiring because wow. he could have gone off the deep end and become an alcoholic or blamed his parents' death for everything in his life, but mm -hmm. he didn't. No, that's amazing. So do you know any living saints, people that you would consider, you know, perfect, you know, not maybe not perfect, but like, you know, good paradigms of virtue? Oh, yes. Yes. Tell us about some. Yes. So um, Mother Olga of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. She's the, the mother superior of the daughters of Mary of Nazareth in Quincy, Massachusetts. And um, I've just never experienced someone like her in my life. It's, it's almost like when she looks at you, she, she looks like into your soul. And she just has this incredible story of persecution that she experienced she's been through several wars and she's from iraq originally right yes she's from iraq and um just her resolve to 
leave her family. She was homeless for several years and um, she just continuously sought God. Like um, in the most difficult times, she just continuously looked to him and he just kept opening one door after another for her. And she has just touched so many people's lives through her simple faith and charity. And um, I have met very few people that after they meet with her are still the same after. I mean, she has, um, I've seen her talk to an atheist and that person was visibly changed just because the most important thing about her is if, if Mother Teresa, if I could have ever met her, she probably would have been similar, but just this uncanny ability to make the faith almost tangible and the love of God almost tangible because she's so practical. Like we could sit here and have a conversation with her just like this, yet she's so holy and faithful at the same time. And I think that's what just draws people to that light. And I, and I think Christ would have been like that too. It's just this, mm. this draw to him, not because of, just because of who he was and his approachability and this like light that you just can't explain. It's, it's really only supernatural. Yeah. So yeah. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. That's tough to beat like St. Giuliani, but, um, the, uh, (laughs) we're not letting Carmelina go first ever again. Um, (laughs) she's the best. I love this topic. Yeah. It's a great topic. Um, there was, uh, my first grade teacher in school. So I went to a Catholic school, um, that actually opened in 1994 and I went there in 1994. I went there. I was not in first grade at the time, but I went there. Um, but this teacher, Judith Rowinski, um, she's still there. She's the director of ministry at, at the school at St. Bridget school in Cheshire, Connecticut. And she was my first grade teacher and then was the first grade teacher for, you know, for classes and classes after that. Um, But she had this just um, unshakable joy about her and the way that she could she could bring like just this love of Jesus to these first graders and in other folks in the school. And, you know, people the, the, the kids were so attracted to her love of God that even though they're a bunch of like, you know, you have everything from. Um, like cute little like first and second grade or kindergartners through second grade to like really bratty middle schoolers, you know. Um, but when she would lead the the school in 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 like song because we would all gather in the gym for like prayer services or whatever, and we would sing, and she would lead us, uh, and she would she had such a smile on her face and could lead everybody, you know, in like Catholic hymns that everyone would sing loudly in the school. Um, and to this day, like if I were to walk into St. Bridget's school right now, she would probably recognize me and know who I am and know what year I graduated from eighth grade. And, um, and she pretty much remembers everyone that comes through the school. Um, and she just really touched me. And I've always held on to that um, with Ms. Rowinski. That's cool. Uh, so she's not religious, you know, she's married, kids, um, probably grandkids, many grandkids at this point, maybe great grandkids. But, um, uh, but she really, she's touched so many lives um, of the students that have gone through that school. The number of grandmas that are living saints. That's what I was in, thinking in of. In the billions. Yeah. My grandma Betty, my dad's mom, had nine kids in 12 years. And they grew up Oof. on a farm with 14 acres. And they farmed like hundreds more acres. But I know she was like a hardworking woman, right? To raise all those kids. Mm-hmm. Like just one after another after another. And, you know, there's no help back then. And to put food on the table. But... My mom has said this recently a couple of times, like, oh, I think Grandma Betty's in heaven. Like, she was such a saint because she never spoke badly of anyone. You know, just like the kindest woman, I think also very humble and very faithful person. 
And my memories of her are just like, you know, her having her arms open when we would go up to her house because she lived six hours away to like greet us with just pure joy and bring us in for a big hug. You know, that that's my memory. But we all loved her so much, just like you're saying, just, I don't know, amazing women, you know? It's awesome. Grandmothers. Re reflecting the face of Christ. I'll just tell a brief story about uh, a young person who was really striving for holiness. Uh, one of the kids at the Catholic school where I'm the chaplain, but a few years ago, he was actually in public school, in middle school. And public middle school is a tough place, you know. And, and one day he came to youth group and we we're just tossing the football and it was Lent. So I said, you know, what, uh, what do you want to, what do you want to give up for Lent? And he started listing a few things. I wanted to give up this and this and this. But most of all, I just want to be more like Jesus. And I was like, that's, that's the best goal for Lent I've ever heard. And he's used his Lent wisely. And now he's a sophomore in high school and Christ is seriously still the center of his life. And it's amazing. So all these inspiring people spur mm -hmm. us on to greater holiness. Absolutely. That just shows that you know, sainthood is not just for those people in the 1500s and those with mystical experiences, but every ordinary person, every ordinary human being on this earth is called to holiness, which simply just means saying yes more and more to God. So strive for holiness. It's the only thing that really matters. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Restless. You can find us on 1350 AM Veritas Catholic Radio and wherever you get your podcasts. Hope you join us next time. God bless you. Mm -hmm.